Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, if you have your Bibles, you know where we're turning. That apocalypse, that revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 3. We made it through a whole chapter. Are you excited about that? Start a new chapter today. We have a few more weeks to go during this season of Epiphany. And this is where the season of Epiphany is about where the light bulb turns on, where we begin to see things, where uh, things are revealed to us. And so what an appropriate time for us to look at these letters from Jesus given to us through John that have something to say to us today. And so I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles, however you get them, and open them to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. And we've got just six short verses, but so much to cover. Since these are the words of Jesus to the church then and today, would you stand and receive these words of Jesus for you today as a part of this local church? Hear the word of the Lord from Revelation chapter 3. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Some of your translations will say the sevenfold spirits of God, spirit of God. Uh, I like that translation. That's a good translation. I know your works. You have a name of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is on the point of death. For I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Obey it and repent. If you do not wake up, I'll come like a thief, and you will not know at the hour I will come to you. Yet you have still a few persons in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. If you conquer, you will be clothed like them in white robes. And I will not blot your name out of the book of life. I will confess your name before my Father and before his angels. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It's the word of God for the people of God here and online. And our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well... I guess there's going to be a game played tonight, or at least we're hoping it's a game, right? Nobody wants a blowout, and nobody wants a low-scoring game. We want to see some good football. Well, one of the things we can be assured of is that about halfway through this game, there's going to be a break. And in both locker rooms, the coaches are going to give that halftime speech. And if the team's following the game plan and things are going well, that coach is going to praise them and is going to encourage them, keep following the game plan. You got this. 30 more minutes and we're, we're there. This is going to be good. If they're not following the game plan, coach is going to have some correction for them. Tell them he's going to call out maybe some individual players and say, we need more from you. Are you going to game up? Are you are, game on? Are you ready to go? It's going to get them pumped and correct them. 
these passages that we've been looking at really fit into that character. We've been saying every week that Jesus is looking at the angel, the ethos, the personality of a congregation, and where it matches up with who he is, he praises them. And where it doesn't, he corrects them. And so today, we have one of those halftime speeches where something's gotten a little off. But don't you just love, you know, football movies or sports movies? How many of you like sports movies? Okay, whatever the sport is. And you just love that at some point you know there's going to be the big dramatic speech, don't you? And maybe just spending some time growing up in Texas where football is literally a religion... On Friday night, you're, I'm not kidding, my little town of 75,000 people had a high school football stadium that would seat about 30,000, and it was full every Friday. Some guys left high school to play for less people in college. But one of my favorites is, is uh, Friday Night Lights. Do you remember this? And here is the Odessa Permian football team, legendary and they were, they had made it all the way to the finals. It's based on a true story. I don't know if this speech was written by a speechwriter or actually given on that day, but they were playing a tough team. It was like boys playing men. And they were getting creamed. But the coach stands up. I would have loved to just play the video clip, but there's all kinds of licensing things, and now that we're online, it's a little harder to do. So I'm gonna read it to you. Can I be the coach today? He's got the guys. He tells them, take a knee. I won't have you all take a knee. This is a coach who had been with them in the trenches, fought with them, fought for them. And now they were literally getting their can handed to them. And he says, well, it's real simple. You got two more quarters and that's it. Now, most of you have been playing this game for 10 years. And you've got two more quarters. And after that, most of you will never play this game again as long as you live. Now, you all have known me for a while. And for a long time, you've been hearing me talk about being perfect. I want you to understand something. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. It's not about winning. It's about you and your relationship to yourself and to your family and to your friends. Being perfect is about being able to look your friends in the eye and know that you didn't let them down. Because you told them the truth. And the truth is that you did everything that you could. There wasn't one more thing that you could have done. Can you live in that moment? As best you can with clear eyes and love in your heart. With joy in your heart. If you can do that, gentlemen and ladies, then you're perfect. I want you to take a moment and I want you to look each other in the eyes. I want you to put each other in your hearts forever. Because forever is about to happen here in just a few minutes. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about Bobby Miles, who was their star who was injured and couldn't play. He's your brother, and he would die to be out there on that field with you tonight. I want you to put that in your hearts.
And then he looks at him and just says, boys, my heart is full. My heart is full. Oh, isn't that good? Don't, aren't you guys like ready to run out of the tunnel right now? Don't do that. We've got, we've got a, we got a, we got to hear from a better coach. But I'm telling you, those, if you're like most people, we would rather receive a compliment than correction. I mean, let's just face it. That, that's the truth. We would rather have a compliment than correction. Correction speeches are hard to hear. Judgment speeches are hard to hear. And that makes this passage from Jesus, our coach, difficult to hear. Some of you have already cringed. Some of you have heard this speech before. And you're just quaking in your boots about where are we going. But I want you to know there's a big but here. <laughs> Did I make it big enough? Did I interrupt you? Correction speeches are hard, but we must remember the person giving the wake-up call and for what purpose. So let's lean into this, okay? Let me just ask you, this is not a rhetorical question. Who is giving the wake-up call today? Jesus, yes, good. A+. Another question, do you trust that Jesus' purposes for us lead to good life? Yes. So we trust him, we trust his purposes. All right. Then the next question is, then wouldn't we, wouldn't you, wouldn't us together, wouldn't we want to hear his corrections? If we trust who he is and we trust that his purposes are good for us, then when he comes to correct us, Isn't that a good thing? Yes. Yes. So let's go. I want you to see the purposes first. So we're going to jump to the end and then come back. Is that all right? Can you do that with me? So we see his goodness in his purpose for us. And so let's look at that in verse 5. Open your Bibles and you can read along with me. Verse 5. If you conquer, you will be clothed like them in white robes. And I will not blot your name out of the book of life. I will confess your name before my father and before his angels. Look at that. Three C's. I didn't even have to do anything this week. You just all start with the letter C. Let's look at these. Because we need to hear this purpose and kind of unpack it just a little bit. So if you conquer, conquering is the game plan. But let's look at what is conquering. Do you remember last week in chapter 2, verse 19, we saw that conquering was, was put in some very specific terms. To conquer was to sacrificially love. That's the word agape. To conquer was to have pistos, to build up faith and to build up the faith of others and yourself. This is conquering. To serve others. This is conquering. Patient endurance to the end. This is conquering. And Jesus says, if you conquer, then the actions that you are doing, love, faith, patience, service, these are the actions of Jesus. And so these are the actions of his called out ones, his ecclesia, his church. He says, if you conquer, so if you sacrificially love, if you enter into this this faith, if 
you serve if you're patient in your endurance as all of this is happening then something will take place. Now, these actions, you may not recognize this, but these actions were and are very, very revolutionary. As I've been reading some of the histories of people who were not Christians and became Christians in the ancient faith, one of the things they pointed to was that, boy, this idea of Jesus from Galilee, Jesus of Nazareth being raised from the dead and ascending to the Father, and that He is God and man, that's difficult to hear. That's difficult to trust in. But, the game plan speaks for itself. When they would walk in, and in a very divided society, where people of a certain class didn't mix with another class, but then they walked into a church gathering, an ecclesia, and they saw all of those classes, not just meeting together, but serving one another. That a person who was the Lord of a household might actually serve food and drink to his servants. They began to question, there's something higher than my societal norms that's at play here. They seem to have a different king than the way the Roman government has set everything up. I mean, the closest thing I can think about this and maintain a football metaphor is at the end of a game. Have you ever seen this where these guys just 20 minutes ago were banging pads together and helmets and knocking each other to the ground and trying everything to score a touchdown? And then when the game is done, they huddle up and they kneel down and they join hands. And you see one this guy and this guy, this team, that team, this team, that team. They're together because something higher is at play than the rivalry of the game they just played. And when people of the ancient world saw that, it made them think, what is going on here? So it may be difficult to understand all the beliefs, but when they see it lived out, the game plan makes sense. It begins to raise something in it. Jesus says, keep doing these things. Not to earn salvation, but because you have it. And you're living in a different kingdom. You're living under a different authority. You've got a different coach. You're playing a different game. And when people see it lived out, they're going to want to be on your team. And so keep going. If you conquer, well, then what happens? If you conquer, then you'll, you'll get some clothes. Aren't you glad? You'll be clothed in white robes. That doesn't mean a lot to us today. But white robe was a symbol of honor. It meant you were doing something important. And Jesus, through John, is telling these Roman Christians in this little town of Sardis, He was saying, you remember, you know, whenever the senators and the high and mighty go into the Senate, they know they're doing something important, so they wear white robes. You know, even the Greeks, when they go into their their worship to worship Zeus and Athena, and they think they're doing something honorable and worthy, what do they wear? They wear white robes. Because it's a symbol of honor. It's a symbol of respect. What is our coach saying? When we follow the game plan, and we do those things that in our world seem unimportant, like sacrificially loving, or serving, 
or being patient and endure instead of grabbing what I want in the, in, at, right at this, this time. Right then, Jesus is saying, those are the important things. And you will receive the symbol. You will receive something that is honoring. This, this really changed my understanding as I came in today and I, I saw somebody out there greeting. I thought, white robe. <laughs> Doing something honorable. Somebody's back in the, in the nursery. White robe. Three white robes. And may they have white diapers the whole hour. Do you see where I'm going? It may seem unimportant, but Jesus says if we conquer and do those things, then we receive what is honorable. You're doing the honorable thing in his kingdom, in his game plan. That's what we do. Those who are following the game plan are doing the most important things. Let's move on. Uh, Because there's this little line in here, and I don't want it to be thrown away. You'll be clothed like them in white robes, and I will not blot your name out of the book of life. All right, let's pause here. I will not blot your name out of the book of life. This is not a threat. I know. I'm born and raised in the church. I've been to many youth camps. I've been to a lot of revivals. I have heard this passage this verse twisted into a threat. You don't want Jesus to blot your name out of the book of life, do you? I'm sorry, folks. That's a misuse of this verse. This is not a threat. Jesus wants you to experience real life. Jesus wants you on his team. That's what the book of life represents. He wants you there. He wants your name there. He wants your name to be there permanently. But we know that God is love. And so Jesus is never going to force you onto the field. And he will allow you to quit the team if that's what you want. Which means that he will have to remove your name from the roster. Because you're not on the team. But this is not a threat This is a call for you to thrive, for you to conquer, for you to enter into the game plan that he has for you that is honorable and will mean that you receive a white robe and that your name will be in that book that shows you are living real, true life. You're on the team and he's the coach and you're following the game plan. Are you with me? So if you shied away because you were waiting to be beat up by this verse... Get back in the game. Come on. Lean in. We've got some more to go here. Last, I will confess your name before my Father and before his angels. First Greek word of the day. Are you ready? Ready. It's the word confess. It is the Greek word homologeso. Do you want to say that with me? Ready? One, two, three. Homologeso. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Homologeso. Oh no, I'm lost without. Oh, well, my screen back there. Here we go. Let's say it one more time. Homologeso. Homu from that uh, prefix homo, which means the same. Logeo to say. It is to say the same. A simple one. I always use this when I'm explaining this word. To say the same. To confess is for me to tell you that I am bald. I am saying the same about the top of my head and my ability for my hair follicles to produce hair. 
It's a confession. It is saying the same. And Jesus says he doesn't want you to just conquer. And if you, but if you do, then I will, you will get the symbol of honor, but I will confess your name before my father. He was again going back into this very Roman practice. If there was a soldier who was admirable on the battlefield and had showed the symbol of Rome, he had showed courage, he had showed all of that, then his commander, when they came before the emperor, would confess that he saw the same. He saw Rome in that man when he was on the field. Now, maybe for us today, it's something like this. Remember those stickers they put on the helmet? Because they did something that was worthy of the Wolverines. Whether it was on the field or off the field, they did something. They, they played something. They, they gave extra. They did what they went that extra mile and they got that sticker, that confession that they were operating like their team is supposed to operate. Jesus says, my purpose for you guys is for you to conquer, to follow the game plan, to see that those things, even though the world may say they're not honorable, they're very honorable. And I will confess, because those are the things I did, I will confess, I'll say, I see the same in him, in her, as they live this out. This is the purpose. So if this is the coach's game plan, if this is the purpose, then what is the coach's criticism? Are you ready? We have a good coach. We have a good game plan. Now it's halftime, and he's got something to say to us. Are you ready for this? The second half of verse 1. Everybody asks, why, why do you write 1A and 1B or 1C? There is no verse 1B. It just means the second half of verse 1. Okay? Just a little Bible trivia if you ever see that in a book. He says, I know your works. You have the name of being alive, but you're dead. Wow, that's a criticism. We were all excited. Uh, probably the readers here were excited too when they heard, I know your works, because they remember hearing just, a, just in the last paragraph, I know your works, and, you're caught, and they're probably ready for it. But then he just whoo, turns it on him and says, you have a name of being alive, but you're dead. Now, you have a name of, that's a metaphor for you have a reputation for. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're really dead. What's his criticism here of this little church in Sardis is that they are living off their reputation instead of reality. And he's going to bring them some reality and invite them for a correction. Jesus is never interested in a church's reputation. Jesus is always interested in the reality. In this moment, where we are here, now, today. Not what happened in the past, not how many people were in these pews on past, not how many people likes we got online, but what are we doing today? He's not interested in a reputation, he's interested in now, in this moment. So what's the coach's correction? Verse 2, let's hear. Wake up, he says. Strengthen what remains and is on the point of death, for I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Let's unpack this together. There's a lot there. Wake up. It's the Greek word. 
Maybe you need to wake up right now. Look at the person next to you and say, are you awake? Give them an elbow if they're not. It's all right. And then you're going to tell them the word to wake up. It is the word Gregoron. Isn't that a fun word to say? Let's say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Gregoron. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Gregoron. Ah, let's say it one more time. And now look to the person next to you and tell them in Greek to wake up. Ready? One, two, three. Gregoron. It literally means be alert, be vigilant, be on guard. Now I gotta point out the obvious. How do you wake up if you're dead? Don't, don't let this throw you. Being dead and being asleep are similar metaphors, okay? We still use this today, right? Like, if that person is so asleep, a car could drive through with those base subwoofers going and nothing happens, we say they are what? Dead to the world. So Jesus is using this metaphor for spiritual death and sleepiness, drowsiness. And he says, wake up, be alert, guard what is going on, what is... uh Well, let me go to my next slide. Be on guard. Strengthen what is dying. Now, folks, we have taken this be be alert and be on guard. And we have tended to take something like this and say, yeah, guard myself from any people who don't look like me, smell like me, do the things like me, vote like me, make as much money as I do, drive the cars I do. Uh, just, Just be on guard for anything and everyone. No, no. Be on guard so that you can strengthen what is dying. The things that are on the game plan where you can strengthen uh, love and faith and service and patience. And so it should cause us to question like it did me this week. Where is the game plan dying in my life? Where is sacrificial love dying in my life? Where is faith dying in my life? Where is service dying in my life? Where is that patience dying? We can move this out. Where's the game plan dying in cross-community church? Our coach isn't interested in our reputation of the past. He's interested in the here and now, right now. Are we dying and sleepy? Do we need to hear his halftime speech to say, wake up, strengthen those things, the game plan, strengthen where it is dying? Just like a coach would say if the defense or special teams was was struggling, they say, guys, wake up, get your head in the game, come on. We need you to block. We need you to get to the quarterback. It's about getting in the game. The good news is the coach says we're not done. Look at the second part of verse 2. Second part of verse 2. For I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Now, the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, I really like it. I preach from it quite often now that you all have apps on your phone where you can just switch it really quick. But this is one place where I think they got the translation wrong. And we're all cringing because we hear that word, perfect. But the truth is, the word that is translated perfect is the word peple romana. It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Let's say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Peple romana. Say it one more time and that'll be it. Ready? One, two, three. Peple romana. 
And literally, the word means incomplete. The pep, the pe at the beginning is the incomplete, and the pleroma means complete. So it's incomplete. The word for perfect is actually a different word, telos. It's bringing, bringing, or I'm sorry, for perfect, yeah, is telos. It has this idea of perfection in the end result. But pepleroma is better translated incomplete. So your NIV actually gets it really well. I have found your deeds incomplete or unfinished. Aren't you, aren't you glad to hear this today? That yes, there's a calling out, but we can trust that our coach is good. His purpose is his game plan is set and it is good. It will lead to good life. He longs to give you symbols of honor. He longs for you to see the things that he's calling you to do are worth something. He wants to confess your name to the father. He wants to write your name in his book of life. He wants you to be on the team. But he's not interested in your reputation. He's interested in reality right now. And he might see that we, you, are asleep. And you need to wake up. Because the work's not done. The game's not over yet. There's still more quarters to play. And he wants all of this for you and for us together. This is good. So how do we wake up? Let's do this really quick. Look at the first part of verse 3. Remember then what you received and heard. Obey it and repent. Oh my goodness, this sounds so familiar. Like just a few, few weeks ago. Remember we talked about this when we were talking about Ephesus. Remember, repent, and redo. You should remember this great little Greek word. Mene manue. There we go. Mene manue. It is a it is a great word. It means to remember, but remember, it's not just calling to mind. It is entering back into that moment to think about. You know, I, I gave you the example of partners who are struggling, and I asked them to remember what what drew you together. And as they remember, they feel the feels. It's not just the thoughts; it's the feelings as well. How many of you ever remember? The joy of being selected for a team. And and just the excitement of getting on the court or getting on the field and learning the game plan. And then that first time you run out of the tunnel under the lights. And you, you just you're excited about getting in there. That's what Jesus is getting at with this this word, Mene Manue. Remember, recall when I called you onto the team, remember the joy of your salvation, of knowing you were on the team. Remember when you, you started going and, and things just were alive for you in church or in Sunday school. Remember when you were serving and you knew you had purpose and it was honor that you were you were striving after remember those things and where you're off then repents turn around and let's keep moving i want you on the team i want these things my purposes for you are good i've got the game plan and so let's redo it let's go let's do let's listen let's obey he said hold on to what you have received and heard That's good, isn't it? Well, what happens, this is the bad news, what happens if we don't wake up? Second part of this verse. Now hang in here with me. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come to you. Again, one of those verses. It's been used 
Oh, man, you better watch out. You better not cry. Oh, wait, that's Santa Claus. But you get my point. What we should be saying is that even when we're asleep, Jesus will still come to us. The problem is, is we won't know it. This, this verse is not about dis- destruction. It's about discernment. And the longing to know our coach and his game plan and to enter into the life that he calls us to. When I, when I was reading this and, and putting this together, I, I literally had to put my pen down. Because this question came to my mind, where is Jesus trying to sneak into my life? Where is Jesus trying to sneak into your life? It says he still wants to come even if you're asleep, but you may not know it. I mean, how many times have I gone in and seen my son asleep? It's wonderful. It's... But he doesn't know I'm there. Jesus is still trying to sneak into your life. Where is Jesus trying to sneak into your life? Led me to another question. Where am I making it difficult for Jesus to wake me up in my life? Maybe these are questions we have to ask in the we form. Where are we as a church? Where is cross community making it difficult for Jesus to be our coach, to follow his game plan, to let him do those things he wants to do, which are see us conquer by loving and building faith and being patient and serving to see that as honorable and confessing our name, your name before his father and writing it, getting you on the team. Where are we making it difficult for that to take place? I don't know about you, but that just, it made me pause. I had to pull out a journal and begin to write. God, I, I, I want to, I want to open the door to my life. I want you to come on in. I, I, I need to hear the halftime speech. I don't want there to be any barrier or difficulty for you to come in. Wake me up. Send me out. I want to be on the team. I want to be an active member on the team. And not just because I get paid to do it. Where are we making it difficult? Where is Jesus trying to sneak in on our life? Are we going to open the gates Are you going to open the door of your life or stay asleep? I thought this was a good question. If Jesus were to show up in your life right now and ask to call the plays in your life, what would get in the way of you letting him do that? You may want to take a picture of that question. Write it down. This may be something you want to ask him. Or let him ask you. If, if I were to show up in your life right now today and ask to call the plays in your game plan, what would get in the way of you letting me do that? Spend some time and, and, and journal about that. What do you think he would say? I don't know. I, I, it's just, I, I think it's probably addiction that I do this. Do you have a bad habit? Look at that. Do you have a hobby? That's really more than a hobby? 
Do, do you have an attitude that would prevent Jesus from calling the game plan, whatever that might be? Something that gets in the way where you want to take the control. Is there some bitterness of something that someone said to you or did to you 20 to 25 years ago, three decades ago, and you still can't let it go, and it just seems to hold on. And even though Jesus says, I'm supposed to patiently endure, and part of who he is 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 forgiveness, and he wants me to let go of that and follow his game plan, but I just can't seem to let go of it. Is it an insecurity that seems to drive everything in your life? And he would love for you to just lay that at his feet and get in the game. Is it just time? You're so busy with everything else or you're wasting so much of it that there's none left to be on the team. The coach longs for you to get in the game. Because it leads to life and he wants to honor you. He wants to give you the symbols of honor. He wants to confess your name before his father. What are the things that are making it difficult for Jesus to call the plays in your life? Maybe you need to look in the mirror and say, who is calling the plays in your life? Is it our great coach? Or is it you? Maybe we, together, need to pray, who's calling the place for cross-community church? Folks, I don't want it to be me. And if you think it's me, then we got something wrong here. It's not the church board. Our coach, our coach is the one who holds the seven-fold spirit. He holds the whole spirit of God in his right hand. And he holds the ethos, the stars, the angels of this whole church in his hand. And he is willing and available to give you all that you need to conquer, to sacrificially love, to build your faith, to build the faith of others, to serve where he is calling you to serve. And to patiently endure to the end. That's the one who's supposed to call the plays for cross-community church. At best, I'm a quarterback. At, At worst, I'm the water boy. Do you get that? Well, who's calling the plays? Well, if you're wondering... Can I tell you something? It's real simple. You've got a few more decades, and that's it. Some of us may not even have that. Some of you have been a part of this church and on this team for decades. And you got a few more years. And that's it. Now, if you've been a part of this particular team called the Church of the Nazarene, you've heard a lot of talk about perfection. But I want to tell you something today. Perfection is not about winning. It's not about how many people are in the pews or how many likes we get online. It's not about the do's and don'ts. It's about are you in the game and is the coach calling the plays in your life and in our life?
together as a church. It's about opening your heart to everyone you encounter in your work, on the streets, in your neighborhood, the rich, the poor, the black, the white, the Republican, the Democrat, the gay, the straight, whoever it may be. Can you open your heart and know that Jesus wants them on his team and is sending you out to sacrificially love, sending you out to serve, sending you out to patiently endure to the end, to send you out to build your faith and to build the faith of others. You do that, my friends. You hold all of that in this moment, right here, right now, today. And you're perfect. You do that With His love in your heart. With His joy in your heart. You do that. And you're perfect. And the good news is, the one who holds the Spirit of God is willing to give you everything you need. Friends, my heart is full. My heart is full. We got a couple more quarters together. Are you ready to get in the game? Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we need the spirit that you hold in your hand to come. Right now in this moment into every heart who's here or online. We want to look each other in the eye. We want to be able to look you in the eye and say with the strength that you gave us, with the grace that you sustain us with, we're doing everything that we can. There's not one more thing we can surrender. There's not one more thing that we can give to you. We have given you all. We want you to write our name on the team roster. We want to learn the game plan so that we can get in the game. And we are giving you everything. Not leaving one thing un turned because we know you're the coach we know that you're good we know that you gave everything for us you even laid down your own life and when you were resurrected to new life you gave that life to us and then you gave us the spirit that will empower us so how can we give any less than everything to you Jesus come and walk among us Remind us of the game plan. Can we hear you gently and yet firmly correct us and ask the question, where are we making it difficult for you? Where are we causing you to sneak into our lives? Oh God, help us to be at a church that opens the door to whatever you call us to and to move out into our world on your game plan, letting you call the plays. 
Help us to give everything to you right now, to leave it all on the field until we stand before you face to face to receive that robe and to hear our name confessed. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, whether you're here or online, is there anything left, folks, that you need to surrender to Him? I gave you some examples, but maybe you've got a few of your own. Today, on Super Bowl Sunday, are you going to join the team? If you're brand new and you're not understanding this Jesus thing, we want you to know that's okay. Would you like to be on Jesus' team? He loves you. He has things to teach you. He wants to show you the best way to live. It's a life that's so strong that it's wonderful right here, right now. And even death will not take it from you. If that's you, yeah, I know we did this last week, but I'm going to call you out today. Would you come and pray right now? If you've been on the team, but you've heard the coach saying to you today, hey, I need you to wake up. This is not about the past. This is about now. The reality is now. Get in the game. I've got the game plan. Let's go. Is there anything that we need to surrender? Anything we need to let go of so that we can follow after the game plan wholeheartedly? that's you, my friend, right now. I don't care if you've been in this church for 40 years. If you need to surrender something to get in the game, today's the day. What a day it would be. More than Super Bowl Sunday. It would be today. Would you come? Would you pray? Would you be called out to be on the team right where you are right now? We're not singing anything. If the coach is speaking to you and saying, I need that, come and give it away. He has something better for you. Whatever it is, come right now. Don't wait. One has come. There are others who want to come and pray. I'm getting on the team. I'm letting him call the shots. I don't want anything. I don't want to make Jesus sneak into my life and me not even recognize him. I want to know when he's moving and I want to follow where he's calling me. If that's you, come today. Don't wait. Come now. It's the best life that you could be in. It's the best life. Some are coming. Will you come? person online? Do you need to just pause right where you are? Do you need to kneel? Do you need to ask the person next to you to pray with you? Because you want to be on the team. Don't wait. Just right now. Say, God, I want to surrender everything to you. I want to get up from this place ready to go wherever you call me to go. If that's you, just do it now. All right. I'm going to pray. Is there anyone else who's left on this Super Bowl Sunday who wants to join the only team that matters. The coach who's given everything for you. That's you. You come right now. Right now. What an incredible moment. Cross Community Church, we don't want anyone praying alone. So if you see someone up here and you just want to pray with them, would you come? There's some hand sanitizer right there. Just wipe your hands down. Put a hand on a shoulder. You want to pray. You just want to ask God to meet their needs. Whatever, whatever's going on in their life, you want to do that. Right now, we don't want anyone praying alone.
If you see someone and you're online in your living room or office building, you see them praying, I want you to go over to them. Just put your hand on them. Tell them you're there with them, okay? We're in this together. This is a team sport, not individual. We're in this together. So let's pray. Father, some have come, and I'm trusting that there are those online in whose lives you're dealing. So I pray, Jesus, come and meet their need. If they need the grace to surrender everything to you, give them the strength that they need to do that. Don't leave one hobby, one attitude, one one form of bitterness or insecurity. Help them to give all of their time to you, knowing and trusting that you know what is best. When they say say amen, may they know that their name's been written on the roster. May they enter into that plan of conquering, which looks more like sacrificial love. May they learn this over the time. May they listen to your voice. And may they know that you no longer have to sneak into their life. The doors of their heart and their mind and their lives are wide open to you. Come in, rearrange the furniture, do whatever needs to happen in my life. And may they follow you down the tunnel and out into our world, ready to give the remaining quarters, the remaining years, the remaining decades that they have, until they stand before you face to face. I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do me a favor today, online or here in person, come talk to me, tell me what God did in your life today. Send me an email, put something in the comments section that God has changed. You're on the team. You're going forward with our coach's game plan. If that's you, do that today. Would you stand and receive this blessing wherever you are? And now, my brothers and my sisters, the coach has called us. He's got a game plan and the purpose is good. I pray that you will know the joy of being on the team. I pray that you will know the freedom of surrendering everything to him. I pray that the next half goes so much better than what's in the past. I pray that we would go forward together in his name and in his power. I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us. In the name of the Son who is with us. And in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in his name. Go in strength and power and peace and mercy. Thank you for joining us online. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. And enjoy your game and your chili. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3nas.net. 
You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.